a bunch of witty bitches. Hey, Papa. Hey, I have a quip. You have a quip. We'll put that for a It's just cadals. Climbing back up from episode 101. It's I'm still hung over, dude. This this is 101. This is yeah, episode 101. You know, it, it feels, you know, a little bit like we like just hit our peak. And we're now just, you know, riding on the rest it's all of our downhill life. From like we here. just hit middle age, you know, and we're like, should we buy a Corvette or like, you know, do something to validate ourselves? But Having that midlife cool. crisis. Yeah. But I think, I think we'll be all right. Uh, as long as I got my two buddies with me, you know, got Hunter Dorset over here. Hey, hey. And then I got Chase Williams all the way through the computer and a million miles away. But we're That's true. Soon. Dude, yeah. I was blitzed after that last episode. Yeah, you? you did like, the two. So I, you, I, it was impressive. Immediately after we stopped recording, I was like, I'm gonna. I was like all jazzed with energy, and I was like, I'm gonna go walk around outside, and I'm just walking through the streets. <laughs> and it wasn't until I got home and like took a nap, and then like woke up and was still drunk and was like forgetting that I had, had conversations with Tarion. Yeah, did, did Dude, it happen yet? And then I had a hangover for like. T- 36 hours, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Did your hangover was, start the same day? Oh, yeah. It started like at 9 o'clock at night, you yeah, know? That's the And worst. I actually went to an, a bar that night. I actually saw, I ran into Riley, funny enough. Oh, that's oh cool. wow. Uh, Riley, Riley Cannon. But, yeah, and I had just like one drink, which put me over the edge again, kind of hair of the dog scenario. Yeah. And then just all day Sunday, man. Oh, I was just like just soaked in it. It was awful. Day drinking gets a really good rep. Like but it's like, yeah. the worst. Yeah, day drinking is the fucking worst. Dude. I don't know. I mean, I feel like if you did it the way we did it, where you dedicate a whole day to it, yeah, you got to ride. You got to ride the day. I mean, you you're not going to enjoy the next day because you dedicated like eight hours, and that's fine. The prior day to but getting it, wasted. It's just the tiredness, man. <laughs> is that just me? Because I feel no, like no, a big you you when I'm will day crash around. and burn. Like by the time, <laughs> yeah. By the tw- time it's like eight o'clock, when people who would be going out for the night are getting ready, that's when you're like, "I can't. I'm done." Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm tapping. But out, you have dude. to really. There is something special that you can savor about being drunk in the daytime, dude. Like, Business it's a drunk. different environment. It's a rarity, you know. Yeah, you don't often get the opportunity, so you do usually want to jump on. You know, it's like a no chance. look high five. You're just like, "Oh wow, <laughs> did that, that just happen?" Enjoyable. Yeah. No, I have a hangover. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I had a good time. It was a good time last time. It, it, dude, I'm still blown away by the <laughs> fact that you can buy two 40-ounce, yeah. 6% alcohol-by-volume drinks for $6. <laughs> that yeah, still man. blows my mind, dude. You're never going to beat the deal. You know, you Seriously. might beat the taste, you might beat the quality, but you'll never beat the deal. Dude, you know? one day, like, it's now, it's now on the bucket list to make a craft Malt liquor, dude. That's such a good fucking idea. We should. I told you not to bring it up again. <laughs> I'm still but airing a, it out. It's still cr- just like rolling in my mind. Like a so craft maybe. malt brewery. That's that'd be dope. No, I think I honestly think that is a stellar idea. Like <laughs> no, no sarcasm whatsoever. I think yeah. that was one of the, one of the many gems in that mm-hmm. two hours. Yeah, many many gems. Uh, and here's to many many more in future episodes. But, you know, we're starting this episode off no different than any other one. We're drinking a big old beer. It's almost the size of a 40, but <laughs> not quite. Uh, Hunter, what are we drinking? 
It is the Wells Bombardier Glorious English Premium Ale. And I'm getting some mixed signals here on the bottle <laughs> itself. <laughs> Okay. I don't see All what's right. so funny. From what? <laughs> On the okay. bottle itself, it says 5.2% alcohol by volume. And I, you know, I give it a little smirk. Okay. Cute. I go online. The Bombardier Glorious English Premium Ale, 4.1% alcohol by volume on their website. Ooh. That's a whole 1.1% difference. We like so to call know. those typos. You know what? I'm just going to go with the higher one so that I can be positively uplifted whether it's right or wrong yeah have more of an excuse when um, this one beer gets me drunk <laughs> the little excerpt says savor the distinct aroma then surrender to the perfect balance of multi richness tangy hops and sultana fruit on the palate our own natural mineral water the ripest english fuggles hops and crushed crystal malt. <laughs> Deliver. Damn. <laughs> Deliver is an English beer. The Deliver this experience yeah. of England in a glass. Brace yourself for a long, soft, spicy finish. Mm. That's exactly <laughs> the kind of finish that Max is into. I mean, I'm jazzed up. <laughs> and at the Wells Bombardier. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a Bombardier. It's a Bombardier. <laughs> And it's the fuggle hops. <laughs> it's the fuggle. It's the fuggos hops. <laughs> uh, the impression game is oh, strong man. today. I think this bottle's funny because on the top it just says "damn tasty English ale," and that's that's gonna be my bar for critique tonight: is whether or not it is indeed damn tasty. <laughs> Damned tasty. <laughs> yeah. Past tense. Like cursed. Yeah, it uh, was tasty. <laughs> and it was damned tasty. Spears come back from the grave. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, it's brown as hell. It looks like a pub beer. And um, that's all I got. <laughs> that's yeah. all I can say. Yeah, it's kind of, it's like brown with with some red in it. And you can see through it a good bit. It's It looks like, it looks like filtered, but still kind of like, not completely see-through. There's definitely no sediment or anything. We had n- I got no header on my pour. It might have just gone down. Max got a little bit of his. Yeah, mine's not so bad. It's not super like clean of a header. It's got a lot of bubbles to it. Yeah, a little soda poppy, but still it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Plus, I'm getting me. the unique experience of my beer being out of the refrigerator for about 12 hours. So oh, it's wow. Very, so yours yeah. isn't cold. But I think it's good. It's we should have done approach. the old switcheroo where we did just oh, the two halves of my bottle, have yours in the I freezer. I think this is the best way to do it. Okay. We can, you we know, can get the both ends. This is how they drink it in Europe, I'm pretty sure, right? <laughs> but maybe not. Who knows? So has anybody tried it yet? I haven't. I just put it down immediately. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's sweet um, and it's smooth, like just on first... First blush, it 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 feels like a pretty stereotypical, well executed pub beer, you know. So far, I'm a fan of pub beers. Usually, they usually like come with that sort of like creaminess that I yeah, appreciate. Yeah, in pub beers. Like, yeah, 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 totally. totally. Hey, I hear you, dude. None <laughs> that creaminess. Else to add to that? I feel like I feel like when I think of pub beers in in specifically English beers uh, or English pub ales. Um, <laughs> uh, what 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 sticks around or what I think about more so is like the mouthfeel, um, and I feel like it's a little bit more like spicy the way that like an amber would be kind of maybe even more so than I'm used to. Um, on on the website they have 
like its own little scale. So they have five nugs. And so <laughs> this is three out why of five we, nugs. Why worth. do we not have a nug scale? <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. Dude, it's I episode 101, man. It's a new era. Where's the nugameter? The chugameter. The nugameter. Don't With those two overlapping spectrums, you can describe any beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> map it out. I'll tell you what beer you're talking about if you give me the exact chugameter and nugameter of the beer. <laughs> it's oh, like no. coordinates. What? Um, and yeah, it's it's kind of sweet and a little like like uh, bready. So like with the sweet and bready, it's almost like biscuity. Um, yeah, you getting like any? Are you getting any nuttiness in there? Yeah. I don't really. And on the website, they also put citrus as a profile, and I don't get any citrus at all. Yeah, citrus is one of those things you can kind of throw around. I feel you like. can, yeah, you can blanket that pretty yeah. much on anything. It's like salt. Yeah, <laughs> it's like saying tannins and wine. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Fruit forward. But yeah, I'm digging it so far. It's not blowing my socks off or anything, but yeah, my socks are still on my feet. So we'll yeah. see where we're at at the end of the uh, episode there. Just checked. Yeah. For all of our sakes, I hope mine are still on my feet. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have renowned stinky feet. I don't know if you guys know. Yeah, that, right. that, that's the one renowned thing that's certainly stinky <laughs> about you, Max. If there was one smelly thing, Golly, I Golly, Max's feet it. are just so rank. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Nothing else about Max. Uh, in other news, uh, there's also news going on. <laughs> there we too. have news. Also news. <laughs> so... Yeah, if I want to swing that on over, let's go ahead and cut away from that subject matter and just swing on over <laughs> to Hunter the Newsman. I see you're already ready with a news story for us. And I'm trying the, to just, <coughs> just beep on that or something? <laughs> and yeah, if you want to go ahead and just hit us with the news, because this is witty banter. Beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, <laughs> That'll be a fun one to mix. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm I'm leading this in. Yeah. Uh, as always, this this tickles my future boner. Um, but <laughs> great. I think it has a little bit more to uh, maybe discuss. Has some speculations here. Mm -hmm. So this one comes from fastcompany.com, uh, and the title says Uber's flying taxis will first take to the skies in Dallas, Fort Worth, and Dubai. And basically, just a quick summary. Dallas? Dallas? <laughs> Fucking God, Dallas? What do they need flying taxis for? <laughs> They're basically on an ambitious program to start testing sky cabs by 2020 and putting them into service as soon as 2023. And you hear that and you're like, okay... That's pretty cool. Uber must be like the, the <laughs> That's innovator. a cool thing. They must be like really leading the charge. Kind of. I think that what, the, what, what's, what I've read, and I, I've read a little bit about this over the past few days, is that Uber has kind of a head start because they have the infrastructure, right, to be able to... They have, they have the, uh, everything that you need to kind of like be able to get in touch with your customers and take them from A to B. They've kind of got all of that figured out. But what's crazy is is that they're kind of just like figuring out all of the, you know, there's like the the, the aviation regulators yeah, I, and stuff. Can I ask a question real quick? What the fuck's a sky cab? 
A sky cab. What do you think a sky cab is? Well, I mean, I'm thinking fucking George Jetson flying cars, but is that what we're seriously talking about here? Yeah, like, are they like yes. helicopter Vertical prepared? Vertical takeoff and landing, right? So helicopter style cars. So helicopter style, but it, it, it's not going to have like helicopter blades. Think more along the lines of drones. Um, and I, I, I was reading stuff. It's, it's not, what's crazy is, is that they haven't really come out with like a prototype like, this is going to be the Uber car, right? They're not a car manufacturer. Mm-hmm. They would just be having licensed manufacturers do this for them. But when I started looking up other articles, there are a lot of people getting into the skies. And just to name off a few. A lot of free real estate up there. Let me pull up my notes here. What really got me started on this was this uh, German manufacturer called Lilium. And uh, they have the Lilium jet. And it has like these 36 uh, jet propulsion uh, little jets and but yeah, dude, it's like completely silent. Has um, zero zero emissions. Um, it sounds so expensive. And it's like super lightweight. Um, but you mean like the fare would be expensive, or making it would be expensive? Making it, yeah, I'm sure, all of I'm, it. it. They're still all in prototypes for sure, right? Um, and it looks like the timeline for a lot of these is coming out. Maybe like 2018 is going to be when they're really like. Testing it out, seeing it how it works. Most of these are going to be like at least autonomous in a way where they can fly themselves for the most part. But the goal is to just have them completely fly themselves. Yeah. Um, and you also have, and so that's the Lilium jet out of Germany. We got Airbus, which is a French company, and they have the E fan. We've got Joby Aviation out of California making their own stuff. Aeromobile out of Slovakia making their own stuff. <laughs> they got Ter- planes too. <laughs> Throw Ter- them on the plane list. Terrafugia in Massachusetts with their own stuff. And Ehang in China with the 184 drone, which is another thing that I saw, which is pretty dope. Um, so you could foreseeably in the next five to ten years, if you wanted to, I, I, if I wanted to, I could call up one of these sky cabs or drones, whatever they will end up being. And it will come land at a place nearby. It'll be fairly silent. When it first starts out, it'll be a little bit more expensive than your normal cars, but it'll be traveling way less distance and it'll be way faster because they're going to be able to go like 150, 200 miles an hour. Jesus Christ. So I could go from here to Austin in like an hour. Damn. And pay like 50 bucks. There's 50 you know? bucks? There's no way. That is bucks, too man. cheap. That is a $200 ticket for I, sure. Long term, they're thinking it's going to be even cheaper than uh, cars than now cars? just because they're going to be using less fuel. And, it's, and most of these things are based in electricity. They're, they're going to yeah. be rechargeable. And so, I don't know. Could you all ever see yourself, or not ever see yourself, but did this ever even seem like a possibility, like seeing an infrastructure for for ride-sharing services that go to the sky? I mean, so soon is pretty crazy. Plus, it's Uber, so, I mean, I can't imagine that, like, this is anybody that just signs up for Uber to be a taxi driver is going to be able to yeah, they, drive they'll a, have pilots a helicopter. Yeah, they'll But they'll be, like, official pilots. Yeah. And stuff like that. But it's not autonomous, right? Yeah, well, there's autonomous where they can do a lot of their own, like, the, the vehicle does a lot of its own driving and stuff, like... So for the like Lilium jet, their safety is like, you know, of course, safety is one of the biggest things that they bring up as <laughs> you what, know, fucking what they're going after. <laughs> Don't die, whatever. But, but they basically like make it impossible stuff. for drivers to do what would be considered like uh, unsafe maneuvering 
uh, just because of the way that it's it's controlled. Uh, no, uh, no barrel rolls. Or yeah, they're not like trying to. Guy. They're not trying to banjo kazooie it. So, um, <laughs> I'm thinking of banjo uh, kazooie. Thinking of Diddy Kong. Really, yeah, you really nailed that reference on her. <laughs> oh, I, I'm actually thinking of uh, Crash Band. Is it? Is Banjo Kazooie and Diddy Kong Racing? <laughs> Which one's the Crash to Kazooie, Coot? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking? Ban- Banjo is in Diddy Kong Racing, and I was thinking of him flying one of the airplanes and doing one of the barrel rolls. I mean, I'm definitely referencing fucking Star Fox. Okay. Either way, <laughs> look. Here, I have a question for you. Do you um, do you guys ever think that announcements like this are really just to drum up like? speculation and excitement from potential like potential buyers of stock like is this a way to just get people get an injection of capital just by like uh, playing to people's imagination and maybe not like because it does sound super soon right I mean when you ask me can you see yourself in the foreseeable future like I when I'm thinking about the future of transportation as of lately I think about the um, the hyperloop type stuff mm-hmm. you know and I do think that the future is off of the roads. I think that the road and highway system is just, it's never going to be fixed as much as it's just going to be left behind. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I never really did think about being in fucking man-sized drones. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that is a very um, techno-futuristic type of idea that, I think if once those were in play, I would think as like an adult or however old that I was, I'm like, yeah, this is a new era, you know, like, whereas with the Hyperloop, I'd say maybe this is like, these are like new opportunities that the future brought, but maybe it's, but it's still kind of like an iteration on things that we already have in some mm-hmm. capacity. So it doesn't feel as futuristic to me, um, right. but all that is a roundabout way. Of, that's just my thoughts, but I, I do want to hear, I mean, do you guys think this is a way just to get people excited and to buy like stock? I mean, are these private companies or... I think any time that you are planning to launch a product line or a new source, major source of revenue and disruption in an industry, any announcement that you're making, you're going to want to make it sound completely legit, make it sound ahead of its time, and you're going to want to drum up a lot of interest and have people get excited and and, and invest. Um, So yeah, I mean, of course, I I think that any, any announcement like this will be trying to aim to do those things, but I think the thing that makes it seem a little bit more like relevant and not as uh just like hey look at us we have plans you know not just marketing essentially is the fact that there is like several companies all over the world that are doing this it's not yeah. like it's just like you know it's not like it's just uh like several of the ones that i listed aren't ones that uh actually a year ago uber put out this like 99 page document like research paper about this specific topic and uh it it listed a bunch of these manufacturers that are already kind of doing it and that they're like considering to start trying to prototype for them um and the ones that i listed that i just saw random headlines about in the news um aren't part of those they're not even listed in that so there's there is this like race going on where people are like i want to be in this like we're going to try and cement our name as you know the next ford of flying in the air you know and uh So, I mean, I think that's what gives it the most credence for me. But I don't know. I just, I I am excited about the prospect of being able to travel medium distances way quicker and not on my own car 
You know what I mean? Like not having to just drive there and drudge out two hours and stuff. It's kind of like, it's kind of yeah. funny. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but like growing up as a kid, you kind of think about your dream car or like these fucking kick-ass vehicles that you're gonna own when you're like older. And I feel like now I'm at a point where it's like, oh yeah, maybe I'd hope to not have a car soon. Oh. You know, like I still appreciate the the engineering behind making a great vehicle. I mean, that's why I love Formula One so much, but I'm at the point now where I feel like I just appreciate cool looking cars. I'm not really like that enthusiastic about trying to buy, buy one in the future, you know? Yeah. Plus I've like, as I've gotten older, I've just grown to fucking loathe driving just because I've driven everywhere. Mm-hmm. So well, you've had, you've, yeah, you've had like a one hour mm. commute there and back for like what three years now. Yeah, it's. I'm feeling really. You. I'm, it's I, really I'm whack. Yeah, dude. Like and hour hey, commuting. I'll, I'll throw in my coin for the first time. I I only have like a thirty minute commute, but when traffic's bad up here, it's fucking outrageous. And yeah. like, yeah, I, I, I can see you being yeah. so miserable in traffic. Yeah, I, was gonna say. <laughs> I, I really do think there's something like legitimately damaging to the human soul. Oh, there's something traffic, scientifically you know I mean? destructive. To you just body. gotta try and find a way to like take your mind off it, man. That's why you just gotta sing. Just Top just of your lungs. Sing about how shitty your life is right now. <laughs> and this sucks <laughs> real <good>. badly. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I agree with you. It is getting weird where it seems as though advancements in technology are almost making it to where. Some of the things that are necessities now are just luxuries in the future. You know, I mean, like, I don't think that we're going to, I think TVs, you know, TVs are something that, like, people would always invest in to, like, complete the living room or whatever. I feel like in, like, 10 years, we're just going to be able to roll out a piece of paper, and that's going to be your TV, you know? Like, we'll have smart, smart things, smart walls, smart wallpaper. Um, yeah. Darian and, just, and I, everything's just going to be a luxury at that point, you know? Darian and I constantly have discussions about like the life that we thought we wanted growing up in our parents' households and the goals that we were aspiring to like throughout high school and even in, you know, in college kind of based on the life that we, that we had and experienced and now really recognizing, at least for us, that the future looks much different than one, we thought it would for us and two, than it, than it looked for like our parents, you know, like I really do think like our generation is going to live this very different idea of adulthood, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and I have no idea what, how, what it actually will be and how it'll pan out. But like, I don't know. I just think about things, how like at my, at like my age, you know, what kind of job my dad had and like the fact that he already had a kid and like a, an apartment and, and into a house. And like, he was, I would like, he was well more way more well established than I am, and like I I'm just fucking jazzed to be able to live in a tiny fucking apartment, you know, and that's and that's considered for our generation to be like doing really well, you know, mm-hmm. and so there's like a lot yeah. of these weird discrepancies, and seeing how they all like manifest and how they change like a vast majority of the world population's like outlook on I, I don't know, adult life in general, you know, you know what I mean, like. It's just it, it's going to be different than than it was for people who came before us, and I, and I think in a pretty dramatic way, possibly. Yeah, I think I think what's exciting for me is mostly that it's exciting and scary as fuck, really, because I feel like what happened is you know you, like you had the everything from like World War II all the way up until like you know the '90s or so, 
And that was really just pulling everybody well out of the food chain, cementing ourselves, you know, kind of just building on our general, like, yeah, we're good to go. We're advancing and stuff. And I feel like we're at the point now where over the next 20 years, <clears throat> when it's like our generation that starts actually running shit, we're going to have like really, really difficult problems. And we're going to have yeah. a lot <laughs> of technology at our disposal. And like technology will be one of those problems as well. Um, and so it'll be interesting to watch like how, you know, we're always told that we're like spoon fed, like coddled generation, but like really we're going to be making decisions on like humanity and how, you know, automation, how- like, yeah, all these problems that we foresee now. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I agree with you. I feel like we have been living on the foundation that those generations created and we are now outgrowing it, not in the sense of like pure size, but by like just the demands of how life is now. And like, we're just, we're shedding our skin, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think the time that we live in now is a perfect indication of just like how fucking weird, like every, I feel like everyone has a pretty negative view of how things are, how things are kind of running in the world. Maybe not negative in the sense that like, yes, there are technological breakthroughs. Like there are new advances in medicine. Like we are helping other countries with aid and stuff, but I'm talking about like financial systems and like government just um, size and sort of just inertia that's that's in there. Like I feel like everyone our age kind of looks at the institutions around us and 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 just scratches their head. And and everyone in some in some capacity, if you ask them about those things, is gonna say like, yeah, this one part of it's fucking totally ass backwards, and mm-hmm. everybody knows it, and nothing's happening, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. To me, that's just the gr- like it's it's fucking it's growing pains coming to an absolute head, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 like you know wagon wheeling back to even the the story. It's gonna be like one of those things where like you know for having air taxis, the technology is gonna be there. It's coming. It's gonna be here in the next like the five or ten years. Is, yeah, the technology is here already. And almost. the only thing that's gonna keep us from doing it is like regulations. You know, like, so, it, yes. So the social side of things, which, which is not, it's not to say it's not important, but right. if it gets, if it gets to a point where it is being treated the same way, any other, like, you know, past endeavor of regulatory uh, stuff has been treated where it's basically just gridlock, you know, or, uh, or, you know, there are whatever, like, like non-progress movements made like basically like with tesla like you know like texas not like letting tesla fucking do direct sales that kind yeah, of bullshit just like such an obvious show of trying to protect old business interests for the sake of protecting those businesses which, which and, is that's what they did with taxis with mm-hmm. fucking uber right exactly like, it was yeah. such a big disruptor that they were like we don't know what's gonna happen to all the taxi drivers and so they like tried to pump the brakes which is like dude I get Let it, it happen. You know, Darwin's people, theory people need jobs yeah. and people have happen. families, but, but like, you know, it, it, again, it's like one of those weird things where you have to like decide how much we're going to let progress actually drive us um, and how quickly we're going to be able to try and put regulations and rules around the crazy rapid advancements that we're going through. So I don't know. I, I'm just excited because like until this week, I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently like there's like all this uh investor speculation and capital going towards these sorts of efforts and it's just really exciting to think in like five years uh five or five to ten years you know i could just app my way to a drone that's outside and take me to austin in like 
45 minutes, you know? That's Make it be a, yeah, like a more feasible day trip to go to Austin and yeah. come back. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Plus, I think if you have an organization like that and they just kind of couple themselves with some other large organization too, like, you know, where every Walmart is, there is like a landing dock or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because if it was like, even if it was just all the Walmarts, like, okay, there's always one you can yeah. get to. Like, <laughs> yeah. there you go. There's a giant parking lot where you can leave your car or like, well, maybe there's some sort of like safety area for leaving cars or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's just, it seems very feasible. I'm just... It's such a, like... Without video, it's kind of hard to even imagine, really. Like, you kind of got to look at them flying and doing their stuff. Because you would think, like, oh, it's an, air- it's an aircraft. It's carrying people. So it's got to be pretty bulky and huge, yeah. right? It's like, you can make them pretty compact. They, they, they don't have to yeah, take up a shit ton of big. space. And I think there's small, one the company... Size of a smart car. There's one company that is, like, working to make a vertical takeoff car that can fit in a normal spark parking spot right now. That was another thing I was reading about. Do so. you do you think that like this would have any effect on like so going from here to Austin, that's not like a plane trip travel. Yeah, it's about two and a half hours by car. But maybe if you're going somewhere that's like kind of in between. Like I know people who travel for business like across Texas, you mm-hmm. know, by plane or something like that. Maybe this could be a feasible option for them that's less like And what's invested. really interesting, dude, is like say I want to go from Houston to El Paso, but they're not gonna have batteries that fly me from one trip, you know, from Houston to El Paso, I'll just get off. I'll just have a leg. I'll do a connector. You know? Yeah, right? I get, off, yeah. I get off at freaking drop Austin. Here, drop there, drop yeah. there. Yeah, get off at Austin, pick up another eat one. Eat some Tysons. Yeah, eat yeah. some Tysons. <laughs> <laughs> then I drop off at Amarillo, yeah. get the panhandle in me, and then I go over to, you know, El Paso, drop Fly it on off. down. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, that would be fucking super tight. So yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just a disruptor. One, one little excerpt that I read that kind of put it in perspective that made me be like, holy shit, that'd be cool, was them talking about, uh, like, going to a, an airport, you know, and, like, usually you'd have to get hail, like, a, a taxi or an Uber or something, and it would take, like, an hour and from your place because of all the traffic and it would be like 55 bucks or something but with this thing like it would basically take like five minutes and cost you like ten dollars right yeah because there's no traffic (laughs) because because there's no traffic there's no like like you're spending less time so if there is like a rate per time then like that's way less and you're just going a way less distance yeah because it's a straight line so as the crow flies (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i don't know i just thought again i'm it's a speculative one, but we reached in there and talked about some some deeper stuff as well. Yeah. So that's good. Well, let's uh, reach on over into Chase and see if he's got any cool what's news in the stories. Bag? Yeah, what's in the box? I'll show you what's in the box real quick. Um, so here's <laughs> the headline. It's from Kotaku. It says esports will become a metal event at the 2022 Asian Games. So I want to read you the news story real quick, but then I want to wagon wheel into a, a different sort of look at this. Competitive video games will become a metal sport for the first time ever at the 2022 Asian Games, the Olympic Council of Asia announced. They will appear as a demonstration event at the 2018 edition of the next Asian Games held in Indonesia as a run-up to the official inclusion as a metal sport in 2022. Um, As a preview of what's to come, esports will be contested at the upcoming Asian Indoor and Martial Arts Games. FIFA 2017 is the only game confirmed to appear, but the event will also include a multiplayer online battle arena, which is a MOBA like Dota or League of Legends, and a real-time strategy game like StarCraft. Uh, So first question uh, is, how how do you guys feel about esports becoming a metal event at like sort of a... Uh, international competition and by the way this is this competition is second in size only to the olympics they have like 10,000 athletes that participate in total so it is a pretty big 
uh, gathering. Yeah. So it's a so to to dig a, or understand a little better, like these Asian games that that they're saying that they're going to be included in. Those are generally used to be probably just like physical sports, right? Yeah, I mean, and those will all still be there. It's just now included in the run is going to be video games as a medaled event. Neat. I feel like that's interesting. Um, it's de- it's definitely interesting, but I'm wondering how they choose they choose what specifically in the realm of video games. You know what I mean? Like, are they just gonna get like, oh well? We think that the, there's a lot of people that play this kind of game, so we'll do this one. You know what I mean? Like, it's like with sports, it's like the sport is the sport, and people go to the sport. With video games, it's just like, oh well, like I'm super good at this video game. You know, maybe like there are people that are like world class champions in like a specific video game or a spe- specific type of video game. I'm just wondering how they hone in like what to choose. Like I know that they set them, but it's interesting to think about like which ones they let be a part of the games, like. Um, whether it be like a first action shooter, role playing games, or you know, um, or strategy strategy games or whatever, but um, yeah, I, I think that was would be my question. Would be like, how do they decide? How do they know what's gonna be? Uh, is it basically just like audience driven, like what the audience wants to see? I guess I would assume so. I mean, it's just the same way that like what has like what are the competitive gaming leagues doing right now? Cause those are obviously the most like competitive games technically mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. And games I mean, like I, I, Dota are giant, you know, they're bigger than fucking most sports, you know? So yeah. of course that's going to be one that's in there. And like, it's just going to be the heavy hitters. I mean, cause this is, you know, one step closer to having like a meddling, uh, or like being able to meddle in the Olympics through gaming. Yeah. Which you know? is also crazy. So the yeah. ones that are going to get there first are going to be the ones that are like, fucking blowing up right now in the subculture below mm-hmm. whatever event we're talking about. Yeah, but it's also in Asia these these games that they're choosing I don't think are like they're they're not the subculture, right? Like StarCraft has been a yeah. huge is like the biggest sport in South Korea. And I think I think that is how they're probably going to choose their games for these specifically is like what are the games that we already have? Like what are the games that are that our people are already competing in, you know, yeah. that we want to then see who the best country is in or whatever. Um, but there were some comments on this article that I thought were super interesting and it's a side of the conversation that I've never considered and I want to throw these at you real quick. Okay. This one comes from Space Knight. Nice. And he says, Thank you, Space Knight. Um, he says, this is odd because at the end of the day, you're playing some corporation's product. Consider basketball. Yes, the NBA is huge, but there's still Olympic basketball or changes in college rules or in whatever pickup game you play. But there's no ge- there's no generic StarCraft. There's only the one product with its rules handled by Blizzard. Would a competition like this let the NBA be in charge of its basketball games? It's an interesting difference to this kind of game. And then one person follows up and says, I was thinking the same thing, but I'd go even further from your point and add that beyond the NBA just being in charge of the games or choosing the rules, imagine if the NBA owned the idea of basketball itself and the ball was made in a way that that was intellectual property and the hoop was built in a way that was an intellectual property. So what these people are getting at is like, what what is the question here of sports being this sort of universal democratic thing that everyone can play anywhere to now whatever sport you choose is going to be owned by like a corporation to be very specific to even that one game. Right. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was, I thought it was a, an interesting side that I had never thought about. Definitely. That's interesting. But at the same time, like while NBA doesn't own basketball, it owns the current perception of basketball in the same way that like, 
the rules in basketball change because the NBA changes them. You know, like the game is not the exact same as it was 50 years ago. They still have that sort of authority to tweak the game however they want. Yes, I can go play a pickup game and make up my own rules and like win by two, play to 21. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, of course I can do that. But just the same way that I can like play any other type of game since there's 10 million games to choose from, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot that are closely related to each other. You can usually always find one that's like connected in some way. Um, I mean, it is kind of interesting just because you're right. Like what if NBA like made basketball, but at the same time, I don't see it being that much different, you know? And I do see like companies like, um, Blizzard becoming like the, the NBA of that game. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, like they setting would up be, a yeah, board that they're like the ones that are setting up the like leagued events, you know, a lot of the time. Like, and they're the ones that are like, you know, setting up, I know there's an idea of them going around and like setting up teams across the nation. They're becoming like, they are becoming the NBA. They are becoming the organization behind the game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it doesn't seem that much different than me. Yeah. And it kind of, it kind of reminds me of, uh, a, a story that we talked about a, a little bit ago, uh, where we discussed like, where is the line between, uh, sort of like the person that like we were talking about streaming and the person just like playing the game versus the person being an advertiser and an agent for the game that they're playing and, and trying to get like money off of the sales that come from that game. It kind of reminds me of that where it's like when I think of the Olympics, right? If I think of like losing or track and field or curling or any sport that comes along with the Olympics, I do think of the, sp- I think of the event and I think of the sport. And I don't, the only, the only maybe like corporate or uh, business stuff that, that surrounds that for me is like the branding, right? Like Nike, Adidas, uh, you know, Under Armour, that kind of shit. But, that, but that's just really just putting, that's just advertising, putting that on the person that's playing. Whereas right. this is like an event that is straight up endorsed by these games it's like it's like if you had an event that was free advertising yeah it's free advertising you have and it kind of blurs the line again between like what is sport and what is an endorsement you know like uh and so it's an interesting interplay where it's like you wonder you wonder how corporate they can get with it or how much um, they'll try and separate it from like, this is also a business, you know, like this is also a product that people are playing um, and not just like the general idea of, of gaming as an event. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it does bring up some interesting questions. Hmm. Cool. Yep. So that was my story. Um, I don't know how you guys choose news, but I, this week I had like five I wanted to do. But Me too, for- dude. Really? I was yeah. I was thinking about doing CRISPR. Maybe I'll do that one next week. Yeah, save I'm them. still wrapping my head around CRISPR, dude. I'm trying to CRISPR figure out what it is, really means. Yeah. I've watched like six videos and it's still not. <laughs> CRISPR got like six so videos under my belt. And still CRISPR don't know, like, man. <laughs> presents itself as being this super simple thing. It's like, and then it's when so you much look, yeah, now. don't you get it? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's crispy. Uh, oh, man. But that is, you know, I think that's kind of enough to chew on. For okay. this week, you know, maybe we take a little break. Go check back, on the Nugometer. See where this goes in the Nugometer, maybe <laughs> on the Chugometer, depending on where we're at. And then we'll uh, maybe go back and come back with a review or something, you know? Okay. All right, we'll beat up it. Beat up a peep.
If you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. Boop. A little delayed, but that's all right, you know? No, perfect. I'm going to That was a part well, of the beep. That one was perfectly The beginning was the beep. Oh, man. So we've been, we've been sipping on this, this brew daddy. We're all poed up, as a Hunter would say. Um, how are we feeling about it so far? I've actually been, like, pulling back, pumping the brakes purposefully and not drinking this super fast. Why? I don't know. I guess I thought that, like, with, like, the English beer, we've been out of it for a couple weeks. Yeah. You know, we got this big old English beer. I didn't want to get it too ahead of myself and just chug it all right away. A running start. So now I've got basically the whole thing for the second half, which is great. But do you guys pick up anything new? I wish it was a little more subdued than it is. It's subdued how? Two in your face. It's, um, I think maybe it doesn't have enough, like, body to it. Like, it's got a sweetness. It's got a creaminess. And um, I think there is a, I think there is something a little bit brighter about this one. And maybe that's where they come in with that citrus. But it feels thin. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's the, maybe it's 4.1 and not 5.1, man. But there's, there's something here that, like, it's, it's got the flavor of an English pub ale that I love. But it's not, and it's and it's really good flavor. But it 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 doesn't have the feel for me right now. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of agree with that sentiment too as well. I feel like all of the flavors are very individual. And you can like pick them out a lot, but there's kind of a lack of composition at least at this point for me. I forgot um, to mix them. Yeah. It's almost like, I mean, I, I I'll just say that I feel that I get like spices, like spiciness. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, like um. Like a potpourri. Yeah, it's like drinking potpourri. Dude, no. I had a beer. I love potpourri. <laughs> no, I had a beer uh, a couple days ago. I can't remember where it was at, but I was like, Mandy, try this. And it's like when you walk into a, like a Pier 1 Imports or some shit. Yeah. It was potpourri. I was like, I, <laughs> I can't believe that you saturated that taste so well. Um, and that wasn't even what they were going for. But with this beer, <laughs> I asked them. With this beer, it's more of like you know, like a spiciness that you'll get on like uh, I'll say it again, like an aggressive amber ale or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and and like when I'm thinking about how the mouthfeel and and uh, accompanying flavors go with it, I almost imagine it getting like uh, <laughs> like a English pub ale tea bag and just like putting it in water. And like trying to trying to steep it for a bit because it is kind of like watery. Like it just feels flavored, not. Yeah, it complete. feels a little. Yeah, it feels a little more flavored than brewed almost, and it, yeah. it has like a watery uh, substance about it. So I'm not I'm not head over heels either. I, I'm definitely not against it, but um, I was expecting more. Like admittedly, so that's where I'm at right now. So far, a uh, you know a little bit of a lukewarm response, but we still have the whole second half of the show for it to it might come have around some legs. and blow our minds. You know, some longevity. Uh, speaking of getting our minds blown, you guys know who's back? Who that? Bill's back. Bill, 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 B
And he's got a new show. Uh, the name is Bill Nye Saves the World, right? That's what it's called? I think so, yep. yeah. Yeah, Bill Nye Saves the World. And we've been watching a little bit of it. Uh, so I think it's time to get our expert opinion. And let's go ahead and do a review. We almost had it, but then the suits got their hand in it. Four to four. Look, I'm just saying I've had better salami plates. Two out of five. Gotta be the best album I've ever heard. Three out of eight. Yeah, it's a re- review. review. <laughs> I was going to say, is that a part of the... Th- Let's go on down yeah. to the basement. <laughs> well, I've watched an episode of it. Um, I'm not like... I don't know. I don't feel confident just like jumping out and starting the conversation. So if anybody else has I, something I'll, else I'll to start. Say, yeah. So let's all let's all get our groundings here, right? Yeah. We, we've all seen... Where are we on the Bill Nye compass? Right. We've we've all seen. Let's weave this Bill Nye tapestry <laughs> together for the fucking audience. <laughs> the Bill Nye tapestry, the mandala. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've all seen Bill Nye the Science Guy growing up as kids, right? I mean, we. It's not that we've seen him. That guy's a part of our blood. I feel like. I mean, like. He was no Dragon Ball Z influence on me. Yeah, you know but what I mean? dude, like, he he was he like everybody our age from the ages of like kindergarten through fucking sixth grade like you Defin- watched bill not dude even Definitely farther do. than that like his videos were used for a while yeah he's old like he's like probably like late 80s early 90s i'd say maybe like when he was like doing his videos and stuff oh yeah the years i thought you were talking about his age i was like there's no wow he looks great um science no but i just mean like i watched a video of his from the same series in like first grade, and then I watched another video in like ninth grade. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they were still using them. The so whole yeah, time. like he was definitely a part of our childhood growing up, and he was definitely like the embodiment of the idea that science doesn't have to be fucking lame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was kind of like <laughs> try to do. He tried to. Have to what are you about, Bill Nye? I'm just well, gonna let you know that science. Science fucking it doesn't have to sucks. be fucking lame. Wait. All wait. Right? <laughs> well, wait. like growing up as a kid, I think everybody would think of science the same way they thought about math. Math. If, it's, yeah. If, uh, it's, it's if Bill less, Nye wasn't there, yeah. you know. Um, and and science definitely is more magical and and I think it's cooler than yeah. math. But but yeah, he was. <laughs> he, you know, he he made a sort of kid friendly. Um, you know, informative, interesting way of thinking about science growing up, right? So now we're here in the now. Uh, since then, I don't know about y'all. I've seen Bill Nye all over the news, all over just yeah, random. He's, he's shows. always out there. He's always he on that two-minute video like on your debates. Facebook feed. He did that debate with that creationist guy, which was like dynamite to to watch. So yeah, yeah. he's been he's been doing some heavy lifting. Yeah, yeah, so he uh, proved the tides right or whatever. Who right. did you talk to that was talking about like how do you prove the tides or something? He was just like, we know exactly how you do the tides. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, you can't explain that. So when I watched the first episode, knowing like what I knew about him growing up, and then what I've seen from him lately, um, I was expecting something to be a little edgier. And so when I first started watching, edgier. Um, yeah, a little more in your face, not as uh, maybe even more like controversial. Yeah, um, but I do feel like he was. Each episode was pushing something kind of purposely, um, maybe not in a controversial way or like calling. I mean, but he fucking calls politicians out and, and that kind of stuff. I feel like he 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 was kind of agenda driven. That's where I'm going, right? When but when you first 
open up on the first episode. You know, he comes in, people are yelling Bill, he starts making, cracking some, like, pretty kid-friendly jokes, not all of them land, you know, <laughs> and then uh, he does some experiments that you're like, okay, like, he turned water blue and red. Yeah, you know? right. And, 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 and I, was, I was really starting to kind of be like, man, like, I thought he had a chance to really do something here, and then he goes, I need a minute, and he does the yeah. Bill Needs a Minute segment. And he goes on the most fucking profoundly awesome rant for like a minute or two minutes straight, just calling out like, America used to be the leader in science, and now like we have all these science deniers, and he's just calling people out left and right, and that's what made me be like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, I'll watch this just for that minute, you know? Right, yeah. Um, And that's what kept me engaged. So um, I was like disappointed after watching a few minutes and then I saw that and then that reinvigorated me to keep watching. And I watched like a few more episodes after that. And, um, it was good. Um, he, he's still the same old Bill Nye, but that's, that was what I was looking for. Like where I'm at right now, knowing what I knew about him growing up, I don't want the kid jokes anymore. I want him to keep it real. You know, let me, let me ask you this. Whenever, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson was set to, re like to helm the to helm the show cosmos everyone got real jazzed right right and i was excited too and then when i watched the first one i kind of immediately was disappointed because it was very much in my opinion uh scientific explanation towards the lowest common denominator which i think maybe the cosmos always was it's about like let's just present scientific facts at the most basic level it's very introductory that way Anyone, it's more of like a, it's more of like a public thing where it's, you know, anyone can kind of watch this and it's like a starter's kit. Yeah. And learn something. And when I was going in, when I was going into Bill Nye's thing, I was, I was ready to see what Bill Nye was going to kind of talk about with a more, with like an older audience. And the episodes that I saw, I felt like they were still a little too reserved and like relaxed. And they like, you're right. Like he was turning water blue and like, he certainly explained the concepts in such a way that like I remember them, but I feel like the content of the show is almost the equivalent to like just reading headlines, you know, like, Oh, did you know in Italy they're stop or like in, in, in Venice are stopping the floods by doing this thing. Okay. Well that's that, you know, and it's like, all right. And you kind of get like a few, you get like three snippets of information that are good snippets that you can hold on to and you can remember, but I just felt like it was very surface level, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was a disappointment for me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. I think, like, the whole premise of the old Bill Nye show was to say, hey, here's this thing. Okay, let me tell you something about science. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is this huge concept. Okay, like, I'm just going to tell you this. But in order for you to take my word for it, let's show you, like, an, exper- or a, an experiment on, like, a smaller level. Mm-hmm. So what he would do is he would, like, mimic the Earth's atmosphere in some way and then, like, show how that affected something that represented the Earth or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was really expecting him to do that with, like, issues that everybody really knows about but like really wants to see an actual visual experiment or just something to like show exactly what people are saying when they're saying like when they're talking about global warming or where they're talking about all these these things that everybody knows about and they're almost like cliched at this point to where they don't have as much impact Mm -hmm. but to really like show somebody what's really like wrong because you're right the scientists or the uh, experiments that he did didn't even feel like they had anything to like do really with what was right being talked about it was just like Remember, I'm a scientist, and like this is yeah. my lab. But then also, like off to Jimmy for whatever this news story or whatever was. Mm-hmm. And I was really hoping for something more like that, to where it was just more like, 
hoping he could because that's the kind of guy he is. He's just very like, look, like just listen to this. Like, yes, it can like you know this is real. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let me show you. See, it's real. Like, why is that not? Why is that so hard to get? You're not taking my word for it. You're, I'm mm-hmm. showing you. And I run in more of that, but it just felt like you're right. It just felt like he was going through like these different headlines and these different news news stories and stuff like that. So, and I and I feel like he's uh, he has the right premise, right? For sure. What he sees is the mountaintop of what could be. And I think what he's trying to make happen is science is cool. And if people accept science, that's like irrefutable fact. And I can show them that we can start actually like making a culture around this being how we drive policy, this being how we solve problems, you know? And so him wanting to make a show where he saves the world and ha- brings on celebrities and does experiments and uh, does call people out from time to time. I think that's awesome. What I think is interesting is watching him straddle between uh, his old show, which I don't think was as uh, agenda-driven. Like, his first episode in Bill Saves the World is global warming, right? Yeah. That, that is an issue. That is, an agen- that is something that needs to be solved, and it's, it's always in the headlines. It's highly politicized. Um, but in, in his shows, like growing up, it was really just like, here's a topic, and I'm going to teach you all about that topic, you know. Um, so, and, and, and it was very kid-friendly and very like, I'm going to make silly jokes and stuff. And, um, and so he's straddling that where he has like these serious issues, but like every once in a while he's like trying to make it like kid-friendly and wide audience. And so it, it is this strange like intersection between like I want him to almost like I don't want him to just rant about stuff because then it'll get really preachy and really like even negative, you know, like if you just start calling people out like that they don't believe in this and that makes them stupid kind of thing. And like he actually had that happen a couple on a couple episodes where like he brought in somebody who he was talking about medicine, I think, on a second episode. Dude, yeah. Let me let me piggyback off of where you're going with this, because what I love watching now, especially on YouTube and in late night shows, are panel discussions. Like, I love when there's just a panel of people and they get into a conversation and just watching smart people go, right? Yeah. And the second, for the first time I watched the show, they went to, like, all right, it's time to talk to my panel. I was like, fuck yes, dude. I was super jazzed. But I felt like the panels... Uh, I don't know if it's just the way that he conducts the interviews or if they're just not meant to be deeper conversation driven, but I felt like they were disappointing to me as well. And when they had that alternative medicine guy on who was trying to argue for like, uh, like mushrooms drugs and, and, mushrooms and stuff yeah. like, yes, I understand it's silly and all that, but there was a point in time where Bill cut him off and I thought it was just straight up fucking rude to yeah, that dude. guy. Me too. You know? Yeah. He basically and I was like, like <laughs> he started talking about like, He's like, there's like adva- amazing advancements in crystal technology, and just to think that like crystals aren't have anything to do with our with our lives, but like they're hugely fundamental in how we deal with uh, computers. And then he started like going a little bit more on this crystal thing, and then Bill's like, "Yeah, I'm not buying it or something." Well, just no, like yeah, he's completely he shut him off. Yeah, he's just like Bill, 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 <laughs> yeah. Bill, Bill. So yeah, man, I was, I was disappointed not only in just the, the pant, like the, the, how the discussion went and wasn't as like engaging as some of the other ones that I've seen, but also at kind of his ability to run it and how fucking Rudy was that guy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's got some, a little bit of growing pains and making it to what it could be. Again, I think that he has a good vision, like he could accomplish a lot with the show if, if he gets the right backing, if he has like cool experiments that actually show you something instead of this sandbox bullshit. Yeah. 
Um, like, dude, I even like the, the him. He extracted DNA from a strawberry at some point, and I was like, "That's fucking cool," you know, like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's dope. Very I like that. Um, <laughs> that is a tight cool. Thing. But, 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 yeah, I, I, I think he needs to find that, like, a, a better, more solidified understanding of what it needs to be for it to be like as good as it could be, because it is yeah. kind of straddling like agenda driven, but still like wide audience and trying to like pr- like uh push for just general science and like understanding and 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 be acceptable to a, to a wide amount of people so yeah I and i i think the last positive i want to throw in there before we put numbers on it is at the end of the show there's credits for like the lead writer and the other comedy writers for the show so like people write the show but Besides like a few points that are maybe a little more obvious anytime Bill was up there kind of speaking He played it in such a way that I wouldn't have been able to really tell it was scripted You know, like I think he did a good job at just his delivery and all that stuff and he felt pretty natural up there So I just want to throw that in there, too Mm -hmm. It is interesting that he chose to go with a live format as well, you know, so yeah, yeah Okay numbers number. Yeah, what are you guys? uh, What are you guys kind of thinking man stamp it? Okay. Woody banter thumbs down or Woody banter's <laughs> thumb sideways or Woody banter's thumbs up. Those are your three choices. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give it as it as it is right now. I'll give it a six point five, and I think it could be like a solid eight or eight point five if he does uh, kind of step into that to the vision I was talking about before, where he really kind of like finds his groove and makes it work. Yeah, no, I like I 100% agree with that sentiment to where like when I watched the show, I was like, I love the idea, yes. but I just don't necessarily like the follow through. I, I just don't necessarily like the show. Like the show. <laughs> Honestly, I don't like the show. I like the idea. I like Bill Nye. I just don't like the show. I just don't like the format. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge like fan of it being live. I think if he sticks with it being live, I would want more of like a like I don't want it. It felt kind of stiff and awkward at times. Yeah, I don't want it to be like preachy like, you know, The Daily Show or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of ends up being sometimes yeah, and how yeah. funny it's supposed to be really. Which holds it back a lot. Yeah, which can, really does. You know, really impactful. Yeah, and I don't want it to be like that, but I would like more of that kind of format. Maybe like addressing things, bringing on more people that like contradict his ideas. But then also respectfully like talking back and forth and yes. really trying to show like these issues. Because that's the whole point. It's the whole point is like how simple it is to fix some of these issues but the people just aren't convinced. And I would like to yeah. see more like convincing. Yeah. Because now it's just you're like it feels from the feel of the show, it feels like you're separating these ideas and beliefs and you're not making people want to switch sides as much as you are reinforcing the people that are on your side. Yeah. You yeah, know? I agree. Very when good. And I think it should be, yeah, the other way. And I'm gonna steal your score. I'm gonna say a six point five as well. It's just I hope that it's successful enough to get a second season, I guess is what you call it. Yeah. And maybe in the second season make some of those more some of the changes that we already kind of talked yeah. about. I hope high plans for the future. But <laughs> yeah. Right um, I, the score that I had in my head was six. So I'm going to go slightly lower than you guys. I was ultimately just like disappointed in the follow through. Like we talked about, I think just the way that the show looks and feels even down to like this, the way that the state, the production of it all, right? Like it, it had, it looked like it would sit alongside some of the late night, shows that I watch on YouTube, right? And that's what I was kind of hoping to get the feel for and to get the sort of engagement from, and it fell flat there. And I also kind of do wonder a little bit, like Netflix is extremely ubiquitous, so I don't think it's like this thing's going to be walled off, but I do wish that these were just on YouTube. And I wish they were, since they are like 
they're they're pretty PG, you know. Yeah, it's on Netflix, Very, yeah. but they're incredibly PG. Like I I kind of do wish that these were on YouTube for everybody to watch. Maybe they maybe he has a channel that I don't even know about, but uh yeah, for basically everything I said in the episode or I mean in the segment earlier, I'll, I'm going to go with the 6. I do hope it gets better. I do hope he finds his groove and they find a little more of their identity. Um because I think yeah, it could be something really cool to have in the catalog of next Netflix shows and 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 a chance for science to once again be a little more forefront in everyday consciousness, you know. So yeah. who knows? For sure. Cool. We are uh, we're treading between this between the show and the beer. Yeah. Like we're tr- you know treading in some We're not impressed. Yeah, some <laughs> trepid water over here, man. Or tepid, sorry, tepid water over here. Um but you know what's never tepid? Yeah, you know what always satisfies? Yeah, the emails from our loyal fan base. It's, it's Mail Corner! Uh, can you throw a couple at us just to cheer us up, Chase? I sure can. Max, I don't know if you know this, but on the last episode, you and I had a little bit of a debate. Uh-oh. And we asked our audience members to chime in, and we've got two chimes. Oh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jangle, jangle the first chime here. This one comes from Ben Ebig. Great. Yeah, <laughs> what is this? Let's hear uh, from ben, your friend Ben. Yeah, your best bud. <laughs> Chase's biggest cheerleader. No. Yeah. Um, it says the debate here is who is the better gamer. It's a fascinating debate. On the one hand, we have Chase, who is more focused on completion and platinuming. On the other hand, we have Max, who is more focused on multiplayer games. In my humble opinion, the better gamer is someone who, like any other hobby, the player who challenges themselves, playing things that they might not be good at so that they can strive to be better. Stepping outside the comfort zone and exploring new horizons rather than living in the safe space. A great gamer is not only good at one genre of games, but much like a player on Jeopardy, they will they are well-versed in many areas of gaming culture. So that was kind of his take on how to quantify like how one is good or like not good at games. Because we kind of pinned that question to the audience because we ourselves didn't really know. Yeah, you mean, know, like we were just still, kind of yeah. yeah, just kind of trying to feel it out. Yeah. Um so yeah, he, he says, like, let's compare someone playing a fighting game to playing a boss in Bloodborne. Both have a set list of moves, and I can look up this information using the internet. However, when you're in the midst of battle in a fighting game, in order to win, you must be able to adapt. You need to be able to adapt with the character you're fighting and what they're using and get in the, the mind of the other player. And Max has that set. However, fighting a boss in Bloodborne requires the same skill set. you got to be able to adapt to the boss. So he kind of throws in some of his own commentary on what we were talking about. But he gives this verdict at the end. He says, in conclusion, a great gamer is someone who has the ability to adapt to their environment and conquer the challenge that has been put in front of them, whether it's an opponent in the fighting game or an environment in a single-player game. Um, And he says, Chase is the winner of the debate because he has displayed skill in a wider wider variety of situations. Yeah, his opinion. We can speak to a little... (laughs) We will also just note that how how me and Max at least know Benny Big to be in the gaming world is that he platinums a wide yeah, seems array. A little, seems a little so skewed. Yeah, wide, maybe, but yeah, but still very great points. I'm not yeah, saying it's wrong. Thank you, Ben. You know, maybe he's just also a great gamer. Email is respected. <laughs> not as much appreciated, but respected. Now, sure. when this next email came in, I, pu- my, I puckered up a little bit. Okay. Oh. Because it's one thing when you try to play like you're an intellectual on this show, and then when an actual intellectual listens in and gives their commentary, it's That's a little scary. That's always the worst. You're like, what are you doing, man? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Why did I even go there? Yeah. This one comes from Max Kelleher. Oh, Ooh. God. Ooh. 
<laughs> he says, hey, squad, I just listened to the Big 100 podcast. Really enjoyed it. I loved the great debate, too, and I hope that you all decide to bring that into your podcast lineup more often. So we got to take note of that. Okay. It's a hit with one of our fans. Let's <laughs> <laughs> have our fans. <laughs> a fan likes it. We're going to do it again. Here, here are a few of my notes on the segment for what they are worth. The first big ticket item was the definition. I would have liked more time defining what a quote unquote better video gamer is. A lot of the debate could have been slimmed and focused if the definition was clear and agreed to. It's like arguing if someone is a better eater. That doesn't mean anything without a well understood accepted definition of the metrics you are measuring. For the eater, is it quantity? Is it the palate and ability to pick out flavors? Is it the the ability to eat a a chili cheese dog without getting any food on your clothes? I know Chase spent a bit of time at the beginning hashing out a definition, but I feel that all three of you should have really nailed down the boundaries of the conversation. Mm. Sorry, Max. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's our bad, man. And that's it. That's all I say. <laughs> my bad, dude. My bad. Then he goes on. He says, the idea of how to characterize single player modes in video games was probably the most interesting part of the talk. Video game bosses are designed to be defeatable. People you are playing against in multiplayer are not designed to be defeated. However, video games have single player modes. If we are talking about being good at video games and single player is a part of video games, why wouldn't being good at single player count towards your credibility at being a better gamer? The idea of playing more games making you a better gamer was less convincing for me. The fact that one has read more books doesn't mean that said person will be better at reading comprehension or reading speed, which are two metrics that could be used to determine who is a better reader. Even with all the achievements of reading 10,000 books and having memorized the dictionary, if someone else can read a book twice as fast and retain twice the knowledge, they would probably be considered a better reader. So how much stock should we put in the achievements? Knowledge of games was an interesting point as well. I wonder, Chase, how do you think the Overwatch dev team would fare in an amateur or professional Overwatch tournament? Someone that someone with that much game knowledge would still get pummeled by more mat, more naturally skilled or disciplined players. How much stock should we put in game knowledge in, in general or specific? I really think it all comes down to the definition. If you could all agree on a, on a definition to keep arguments <laughs> focused, I think you could come to an agreement upon occlusion agreed an agreed conclusion he says really enjoyed it fellas look forward to the next one then he says nasa 2017 question mark oh my god Please. yeah absolutely so ne- we will actually go to the moon yeah we'll eat we'll meet elon musk <laughs> he'll just be hanging out with spacex it'll be dope i really like this email man i thought it brought up a lot of points of discussion that we didn't touch on um it's- yeah, it's definitely a lot of the things that I wish we had actually talked about more. Yeah, the boundaries discussion. was definitely the limiting factor in being able, especially for me as the judge, but also for creating the debate and creating your arguments. I mean, having the metrics is super important. But I don't think, I think that part of the debate is also the metric. Is you know? just, yeah, debating what you think the metric yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that that was yeah. a lot of the debate. So I think that's... You know that that's half of what you know we we ended up talking about. So it, it is it is still going to be debated. It's still not decided. Mm. All right. Um, yeah. Fuck you, Max. <laughs> no, no. We. So I love nobody it. ever chose. <laughs> I'm glad he just told us to focus. We need to. Yeah. Um, our last question for the day comes from Dunter Horset. Title is Ready for That 101. Mm. Dunter's on board. For the new era. Mm-hmm. 
Excluding cats and dogs, if you could have any animal as a pet, what would it be? Costs and laws should not affect this choice. Later pickle petters, dunter, the fine malt liquor, horset. Mm. <laughs> I mean, somebody was just like showing me some picture, like some videos of some animals that were, you know, non-traditional pet animals. Yeah. And I kind of was talking to them about how they were showing me a picture of like a raccoon that was a pet and like how much fun this raccoon was having <laughs> in the water. Right. And you're like, you know, there's definitely times where I look at my dogs or my cats and I think like, I'm like, why aren't you a raccoon? <laughs> yeah, dude, honestly. Well, no, and one thing that I brought up and I was like, man, it really adds a level of like sincerity and like value and how much I can tell is going in their mind by the fact like how much more like control they have over their hands because so the raccoon was putting his hands in the water oh yeah and like bringing them to his face and like juggling his hands in the water and i was just like that's so much control i can really see that you are playing yeah and you are like interested in all this so i'm going to take that in consideration right when i'm picking my animal and obviously you would think like okay what's the next step from human being is he would want to get like a monkey Right. I think that's like what, every... what? Like, well, I can't have a human pet, so next pet <laughs> is a monkey. Like, no, I'm just saying. Like, so from I there, feel like every boy grows up secretly wishing that they had a chimpanzee. Yeah, and then yeah. Michael Jackson lived that dream for us. Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> proved that it wasn't a great, great that, dream to have. That being said, I've heard way too many horror stories about monkeys killing people. Yeah, Seriously. ripping people's <laughs> feet off and mauling faces. I wouldn't want Dude, a pet that's naturally way stronger than I. Who am. was the monkey that ripped the woman's foot off? Like, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think anybody. Yeah, they do, oh, I don't yeah, think. But I'm just, I don't think anybody knows the monkey, Max. We understand <laughs> that the woman. Oh, that oh, was. Oh yeah, that was that was BB. Oh, the that monkey. was Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so i, I want that as a pet <laughs> so that being said i would like to have like a red panda i think as a pet I knew you'd say that so you're but gonna go on. with your soul yeah hold on hold on though what was that fucking animal you showed me years ago on youtube where they were tickling this little thing it was like a uh a, a lemur, like a marsupial like a, had like these big like round block, eyes and put his hands up like that? Yeah, and it would put its hands up to get tickled. Oh, yeah. What was, was that um, thing? Is it, is it, it not with a L? kitten? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a cat. A cat. It's one of those. Um, no, it was... God, what is that called? Is that a, that's not a sloth. That's a... Um, Definitely not a sloth. What I don't know. I don't want to give that? away my answer, so I'm not saying any animals. Oh, right my now. God. What is that? I, yeah, this? and I just wanted to bring it up, Max, in case you remembered, because I was thinking about it. But yeah, I thought While you're trying to remember, Hunter, what was yours? So, shout out, I think, right here. Uh, my shout out pet Real big fan be, of birds Would be a domesticated fox That's a good um, one That's tight But I've just seen too many cute videos For this not to be my answer I've got to go with an otter here <laughs> That's a really like an otter good choice would be an excellent choice Otters <laughs> are the cutest fucking things Have you ever watched them juggle? <laughs> Have you no. ever watched them juggle rocks? In the air? Dude, off their like chest They'll take like three rocks And they will... <laughs> They'll just juggle them, and it's incredible. It's like, it like oh, you look yeah. like you think it's not real. You think it's not real. You're, You're like, like who's no CGI? So it's, it's like it's kind like of the, uh, and eye coordination, but they do. It's like the it's Marlins will soar of true. animal tricks, yeah. dude. But yeah, otters are incredibly cute. I could have fun with them in the water, and then they can juggle rocks. So they would fulfill all my needs for a pet. I think. I feel like I have, I want to throw in like two honorable mentions. Yeah, please. You're talking about smart animals. 
then this is weird, right? It's not exactly cute. They can be, but pigs are incredibly smart animals. Oh, a teacup yeah. pig is a teacup definitely pig, up there. Yeah, I feel like bees, if you, yeah, you had a teacup pig. Maintain a smallness. It's it's running around and it's like opening doors for it. You can teach it like seventy something tricks. That's awesome. they're smart as shit. Yeah. yeah. Also, delicious. Really big fan of birds. I think parrots are funny. If I had like a big parrot. That Hunter's not, Hunter's Hunter does not, not approve. You You're going to have to convince Hunter here. Yeah, That's fine. I just think I think parrots are pretty, and I think they're smart, and it's funny when they talk. But my real answer is a meerkat, dude. A yeah. little cute a little cute meerkat. I mean, when I went to the San Diego Zoo for the first time and saw the meerkat exhibit, and they're all just popping up like little... They look like little beings. I don't know. They're like... Little beans? They're like... Are meerkat... Is that Timon? That's Timon. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's like, dude, they're they're all in perspective now. Yeah. Imagine, you know, like a ferret that didn't look like a rat and was actually like had energy and was fun to play with. Yeah. It is kind of weird that they can stand though. (laughs) They stand up, dude. They're adorable. How weird would it be if you come home from work and it's just standing on its legs looking at you to come in? (laughs) It's doing the dishes and it just turns around (laughs) and looks at you. Interesting choices. Max goes with his spirit animal. I go with juggling rocks, and you go with a good old Timon. Now we got to figure out what that fucking other animal was, though, Matt. Oh, my Started God. Started with an L, I think. That Yeah. I just, like, just for my own sanity, what the fuck animal is that? <laughs> it's not like something like crazy. It's not like, oh, it's the West Indian, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's just like a name that we're all familiar with. <laughs> but, um, yeah, anyway, those are some great emails to re restart, you know. The, it's not really the new year, but the new 100. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, just, I know um, what it is. We got the. We got this. We got all of our super fans on. Yeah, that was good. Exactly. One, two, and all of them. It's got like it. a. It's like a new fifty-two. You know, like a comic revival only for the show. You know, we're mm-hmm. gonna change. We're gonna change some things up. Right? I'm gonna make Probably it not. that much better. I remember what the animal is. What is it? It's a slow loris. Loris, yes. A loris. Slow loris. Everyone, stop what you're doing. Look up slow loris tickle and just enjoy that. Too cute. And they enjoy it. And the second you stop, they just put their hands right back up. I was about to say, (laughs) like, loris just sounds like the the girl in class growing up that would tell on you and shit. Yeah, loris sucks. Slow loris. Fuck you, loris. Is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, loris is the worst. Slow loris. Slow loris. Way too fun to make fun of. (laughs) <laughs> Imagine a slow Loris walking in the class all dressed up. Like, oh, slow Loris, dude, what's up, man? <laughs> oh, well, an excellent podcast, gentlemen. Let's go ahead and uh, put some numbers on this beer. We all still feeling kind of lukewarm about it? Nee. I've opened up a little bit. I'm, nee. I'm broadening my well, you go first. My look on it. So I drank this beer pretty warm. Mm-hmm. All right. I still found it to be pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, in its warm state. Um, I think that having it warm added a little bit of like, uh, I don't want to say intensity, but like weight to the beer, you know. It didn't have the uh, the blue mountains on the bottle, so it didn't just like you know go down smooth, <laughs> right? Yeah, you get some of those flavors really popped out more. Things felt spicier, uh, more citrusy, more bready. Uh, that being said, it still wasn't like the best beer in the world it still didn't really like knock my socks off there's other english beers and like scottish and like beers from that region of europe that i like a lot better than this one mm-hmm. um so i'm gonna go ahead and kind of stick with the the sort of bill nye area of rating <laughs> and i'm actually gonna hit it with a, a cold six 
A cold six or a cold lukewarm six? six? A lukewarm six. <laughs> Man, and it's just, and it's, remember, my revised rating scale. Yeah, okay? we are on a revised rating six scale. Six isn't the worst Max. thing in the world, okay? It could be worse, you know? Definitely. It's not in the red, mm-hmm. you know? It got to be five or below to be in the red, okay? It's right over the red. It's still nice and drinkable. Uh, I give it, you know, it's probably right, three out of five nugs, yeah. you know? Definitely, um, it's Three pretty. Out of it's, five nugs. it's pretty high on the chug a meter. I would say I could chug this bad boy. It'd be pretty okay. You know, you gotta try it warm. Maybe it's more chuggable warm. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, I do have a little bit more. Yeah, so. Chase, you go next. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna stamp it with a six as well. That's pretty much what I've been feeling this whole episode, man. I uh, I just feel like I've had better English ales. You know, yeah. I don't think it's bad by any stretch of the imagination. And you know, on Max's explored scale, six isn't horrible either. It's just, it could be better. Um, it's creamy. It's kind of nutty. It is a little spicy, but it's also bright. But I do find it thin. Uh, so, six. Okay. Uh, I will go just a, a slight hair above y'all, 6.5. Uh, also, my Bill Nye mm-hmm. uh, rating. It's very Bill Nye of the beer. <laughs> this, is, this is just a Bill Nye sode. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, mine is that the spiciness kind of took it away from me a little bit. Um, I it, I think it didn't really lend very much to the typical English premium ales that I've had in the uh, past. Um, and I don't know if that's kind of where they're saying that the citrus lies, but whatever that was, I think it was a little bit much. Um, I do like the breadiness. Uh, I like the sweetness. I don't think that it's uh, as smooth as it as it could be. I don't really find it to be very chugometer worthy. Maybe a five or six on the chugometer. Uh, I don't get very many nugs on this. It's mostly just <laughs> sweet, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's definite room for improvement. I've definitely had better. But uh, if it came down to it and somebody asked if they should try it, I'd say it wasn't my favorite. But if you like something sweet and you want to try an English one, give it a try. Yeah. You know? I would I would recommend <laughs> it in that sense. So... And it's a Michael Kite. And it's a Michael Kite. And what does Michael Kane have to say about this beer? <laughs> <laughs> Can we start having special guests on, which are really just you doing an accent for the whole episode? Dude, I had a segment back in the day that centered around Hunter doing accents, and he was not about it. Oh, it's Hunter. too much pressure. <laughs> it's like I got to perform for like five minutes and nail this accent, or else it blows. Yeah, having us like not laugh would try to be do the a worst joke. Feeling. I try to do a. Uh, <laughs> Seth Rogen, and I can only do it for about 30 seconds to just, uh, the, uh, you know, and it's like, oh, well, that's all I got. <laughs> it's yeah, the goofy right. laugh. Well, thank you for chiming in, Seth. Uh, it's been great having you on the show. It's been great having all of us on the show. Hey, it's um, my pleasure. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. That is funny stuff. So let's go ahead and uh, beat up boop out of here, and I will see you guys for episode 102 on our rise to. 200. Okay. Bo bo people. Bit up a doobip. Bit up.